Hi everyone and welcome to episode 127 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. How you feeling Lauren? I'm feeling funny. We just had probably the worst intro ever. This was actually the <laughs> second intro we just did. Because <laughs> I made a face. I was doing the intro and Lauren just like tried to eat the microphone and it just made me crack up. And it really <laughs> was not the best intro but um, it's led into a good second intro I feel. Oh I think yeah, so. Yeah definitely. Yeah we're Will Smith. We're the new Will yeah, Smith. Yeah, actually, we, this is, yeah, we should, maybe we should do some more. I don't yeah. think this intro is good enough. I know, I know. This intro was not good enough. No, I think we should start, like, setting people on fire. No, I'm kidding. Whoa, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> that escalated quickly. Um, um, anyways. So, um, actually, we've got loads of stuff to talk about this episode. Um, I'm really excited about Kingsclave. But before we dive into today's outline, we actually have a word from a sponsor this episode. And it's a sponsor we're pretty excited about. So we're just going to dive into that. And uh, we'll see you in a second. Distant Worlds Music from Final Fantasy is coming to a city near you. Join Grammy Award winner Arnie Roth with full orchestra and chorus for a thrilling program of classic Final Fantasy themes and breathtaking HD video. Featuring the beloved music of composer Nobu Uematsu. Don't miss our upcoming shows in Dallas, Phoenix, New Jersey, and Montreal. Visit FFDistantWorlds.com today. So yeah, we're really excited to be partnering with Distant Worlds for this episode. Um, you know, if you haven't been before, I would definitely recommend going. We've yeah. been twice and we had an absolute blast both times. Yeah, we've talked you've heard us talking about it a bunch on the podcast and yeah, no, I definitely think that it's it's something that you just need to do as a Final Fantasy fan just to just sort of cross even it if, off. Yeah, even if it's just that you want to go once. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've been before, you know exactly what you're getting into and yeah. you know that you probably want to go a second time just to soak it all up. And especially since there might be like Final Fantasy 15 music coming. I mean, like they I, they have to start adding that in, That's don't true. they? So, I mean, there's probably going to be new music yeah. for the next Distant so, Worlds. Go to Distant Worlds. Yes, definitely. All right, so outline this episode. Uh, it's two segments. The first segment is going to be about Final Fantasy X Part Two. I, I heard some discussions going on actually on Reddit um, about Final Fantasy X Two. Is it the worst game, the worst numbered game in the franchise? So we're going to have a run through that, uh, our thoughts on the on the game and how we felt about it. And then we've got a news roundup. Yay, news. Yay, Actually, some news. cool news about Kingslave this episode. So, um, yeah, can't wait to get onto that. Yes. Um, for you new folks, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union and we come on the iTunes store, FinalFantasyUnion.com and YouTube.com forward slash FFUnionVids. We are extremely grateful to all our Patreon supporters. And if you want to find out more about Patreon, please go to patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. We had a couple of new Patreons this month, which is super cool. Thank you so much. And we're now going to do our shout outs for everyone who's placed $2.50 on this episode. So first of all, we have Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero. Then we have Christian Thompson at Orbit Said Gaming. Then we have Christian Burge. Josh McNabb at J2K9. Lewis James, who's actually guesting on this episode. Satria J. Asudama who is at Satria625 Rubin. Skylar Loveless. William Trengove at Varnas the Azure. Chris Morales. Harley Crawley at DarkZT Okami. Keena Johnston at Axken. Uh, Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Massacre23. Zach Duranto at ZDuranto58. Alex Troutman at Akira Namjian. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Genesis Alejandro at Junisan7. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Manning Franks at like underscore Peyton. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Mohammed Kayum. 
Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Neck 95. Fitanitas at V underscore Tron 5000. Zelda clone at Apes Type Novels. And Zero Yano at Dearly Oblivion. I always want to say Dearly Beloved. I don't know, <laughs> oh, I don't, I know why. why um, but yeah, so it's at Dearly Oblivion. Yes. So yes. But no, thank you guys so much for everything. Um, honestly, like... It means the world to us. It does. It does. It's it's really fantastic. And it means that we can just do so much more with podcasts. Moving on to our topic this episode, is Final Fantasy X II the worst numbered game? Hmm. Is it? So is it be- them? Well, that's what we're going to discuss, Lauren, you see. So I think before we get on to that, it was probably good if we just talk a bit about how we, like, what our Final Fantasy X II story was, like where we were, how we got into it. I think we're going to be quite different in that respect. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I... Actually, I'll let you go first. Okay, and how I got into it? Yeah. All right. Like, um, were you excited? And... Um, I was excited. I wasn't expecting it. So how I got into, like, Final Fantasy X was I played the ending at my brother's house, <laughs> which is a weird way to do it. But, like... Best way to get into a franchise. I just, I just would play from his save point, and I would just play the end bit of Final Fantasy X all the time. Like, whenever I went over, it did not matter how many times I played that ending. I played that ending and played that ending. And then I finally did play the game. Um, and um, I remember seeing the adverts for Final Fantasy X too. I didn't think much of it. I just sort of thought, oh, well, I would like that game. I think that would be fun. And then, lo and behold, my dad freaking bought me the game. And um, he also bought me a PlayStation 2 as well. So not only did I not have, like, Final Fantasy X yet, but I had Final Fantasy X 2 and a new PlayStation 2 to play them both on. So I played through Final Fantasy X. And then um, on to Final Fantasy X 2, I was just kind of like, all right, this is this is interesting. So it was all just a part of a Christmas gift, really. I know that that was really long-winded, but yeah, it was a part of a Christmas gift, essentially. And um, I wasn't expecting it, wasn't really, um, like, super excited for it. I just I just got it. End of story. End and of I also story. got it. It was actually the first game that I used the guide on as well. I remember that. Cause, it's um, probably the first one you, where you really need to. Yeah, like the other games, I did. I just kind of played them blindly, and um, I kind of regretted doing that now, just because like I, I didn't get to experience all of the stuff that a lot of people talk about. Yeah, but when that's I was the whole older. thing. Like the, I always find the first, the first playthrough is best if you just experience it the way you want to experience it. Yeah, but naturally. it makes it so much harder for yourself, especially because like no, Final it, Fan- it does a bit though. Final Fantasy VIII was. Brat, just because I couldn't find the stupid white seed ship. Final Fantasy X was. You just gotta look around. Final Fantasy X was pretty easy though. Like that was pretty easy without a guide. That was like pretty it's linear. linear so. so it was fine. Um, Final Fantasy VII, like I missed out everything, like all the side quests. I think I only got Yuffie. I don't think I got Vincent. Yeah, that that one. I mean, but that's the interesting thing, like because when you go back and you um, play through things, and I I, I always like to yeah, the, the the second time is when you kind of. You go through everything because you're more experienced then. So yeah. you know exactly how to play through the game. You know what the core is. And then you can start experience, like venturing out and stuff. And it doesn't worry. It didn't worry me so much with that. No. But anyways, getting back to 10-2. So that's basically, I, I was forced into 10-2. It was <laughs> given to me. It was bestowed upon me to I, play it. I didn't know how I felt about it. I was. It was kind of at that time after 10, pre-12, where I was kind of drifting away slightly from uh kind of rpgs and you King- waddled away yeah because uh, kingdom hearts came out around the same time and um 
I don't. I think both of them. I started playing. Did they come? I know they came out roughly the same year. I can't remember if they came out roughly the same month. Which two? Kingdom Hearts and Ten Two. Um, I thought Kingdom Hearts was more so around like ten, but maybe not. Maybe they did come out around the same time. Yeah, I think they did. They probably did because like I was um, I was uh getting into Kingdom Hearts as well because that's why I was so stoked when I got the PlayStation Two because I could get Kingdom Hearts finally. I think Kingdom Hearts was 2002. Mm. Maybe. Um, Either way. But yeah, um, I know that both of those games I started and then I went off to university and then didn't finish. Mm. It was like the first time where I hadn't plowed through them in one session. Like normally I would start the game and then I would, that would be the game I was playing until I finished it. Maybe like a week later or two weeks later. But I wouldn't dabble in anything else nothing else would really take my focus away i would just mm. kind of focus on finishing the game whereas with 10 in kingdom hearts i just i got to a point and was just like nah i i just i'm just not really like it's a good game but yeah i just it just kind of drifted away and then i think a year later i went back and finished both of them from where i where i, where I was and um yeah so i think it was it was a strange one for me mm. it was a very different type of game and I think it was the first one where maybe people weren't excited for it as much because they knew that a lot of things were changing. So it was like obviously targeted at a different audience Mm. uh, with the way the story and the characters were represented. And um, yeah, I think it was interesting. A lot of people that I know didn't get it just out of principle. Yeah. Which is a bit strange. Yeah. Um, Well, strange in terms of like I'd never really encountered that before as a Final Fantasy fan. Like people just saying no i'm not getting that because like there's a female cast or like i'm not getting it because i don't like how they're represented or it was kind of a bit it was it was video games before video games <laughs> became a thing with it's like, like all a, the... the first like sort of controversial yeah. game in the valvazi series aside from like mystic quest but we won't <laughs> get into that but, but yeah um yeah so i mean looking at the fact so i mean obviously there's different ways you could say what is the worst um, looking at the facts, if you go to Metacritic and you look at um, all of the games post-7 because they don't really have anything pre-7 unless it's a re-release, uh, so you can't really then judge the initial reaction to it. Um, you can see that Final Fantasy X-2 was one of the least favourable. Um, it's, I think, it, a Metacritic of like 85, which is still a good score. Yeah. Like in the grand scheme of things, but it was the first game after 7 to of the main series at least to not get a 90. Mm. at least 90 uh and then when looking at the fan scores the like the user graph it's obviously changes over time um it's one of the one of the lowest scoring i think it's like mid sevens and but if you actually compare the rankings it's actually it's it does score higher than every game in the 13 franchise yeah. um and the original 14 which well i kind of bummed a little so it's yeah. not too surprising um, no not really but i mean like yeah so tend to it it's it's one of those games where it's difficult to, it sold a lot like it mm. sold well over 5 million copies when it came out i think it sold like uh 2 million on its first day of release in japan mm. i don't know it's either 2 million or 1.2 million and you know the sales were quite comparable with with 12 for a good period of time and obviously they've now been boosted with the remasters so it was a good selling game especially if you consider compare it to like the rest of square enix as a company mm. like it did really well but I don't know how much of that was off the back of 10 mm. and how successful 10 was because obviously 10 sold well over 8 million copies, I think. Yeah, so. I mean, 
I guess that kind of makes sense, though, because, I mean, you're considering that it's, like, one of the first sequels of one of the bigger games, like, one of the golden games of the golden era of exactly. uh, the Final Fantasy. Like, I mean, everybody was probably sort of chomping at the bit for a Final, uh, Final Fantasy Seven sequel. Well, yeah. However, Final Fantasy X I mean, was an okay second. If they'd have come out with Final Fantasy Seven Part Two a year or two after Final Fantasy Seven, that would have sold like crazy. Irrespective yeah. of how good it was or what yeah. it was focused on, they would have just bought it because they were just so hyped about it. And I feel like some of the sales that Ten Two got were on that basis. Mm. I don't think people were necessarily expecting it that it was just such a change. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, I believe they said that there was never a plan to do Ten Part Two as mm. such. It's just that when they got the reaction, a lot of people, unlike previous games where they kind of resolved themselves, like the ending of Eight, like it just it was it had a natural resolution. Like yeah. Nine had a natural resolution. 10 it had a resolution but it also didn't like yeah did what happened to Tyus really happen who knows like what happened to these characters people actually had questions and they really wanted answers so they decided that they were going to do this sequel and i think if you're looking purely at the goods there's a lot of good that was part of the decision making so it wasn't that they decided oh we're just going to hand this uh it's it, oh, it's going to be a treat like a spin-off or whatever yeah we'll just give it to one of the other um business divisions within the company that work on other franchises no actually the team that worked on 10 pretty much were the same team that worked on 10 too at least in the core perspective so Kataze, obviously one of the most famous people in Square Enix at the time, he, he you know, had just reel off the hits that he'd been working on. He returned to produce the game. Uh, Toriyama, who acted as the event director on 10, actually got promoted to the director. So it was the first kind of game where he had these numbered series where he was the main director. Um, Kobayashi was the, the person who was in charge of the programming of the battle system in 10. He returned to 10 2 and obviously developed the new system that we know um takai was the art director for the battle system as well and he was promoted to the overall art director najima returns to work on the scenario um and was joined by watanabe and namura obviously returned to do the characters so it was a still a strong leadership team on the game mm-hmm. and you know the decision must have been made by someone i don't know who it was to say like okay actually was probably toriyama to be honest to yeah. say um okay the last game was quite serious this time. We, we're going to keep it quite serious, but at the same time, we're going to kind of camp it up. Mm. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to really camp it up, focus on an all-female cast, which had never really done, been done before on that scale. Yeah. And really kind of go hell for leather. There was, of course, the big change, which was that it was the first post-Uematsu game. Yeah. Uh, and I think Toriyama spoke about the fact that he approached Uematsu to say, like, do you want to do this as a freelance uh and Aromatsu just said, like, you know, I, I just don't have the time. Yeah. Like, it's not something I'm really interested in right now. Um, so instead, they went for Matsudo Anaguchi, who had previously worked on Square Enix titles. And I think it was a good move. Like, I, I think so. I mean, it's such a different feeling of a game. Like, I mean, think about if, like, Nobu had composed, like, this game versus, like, a game like Final Fantasy X. Like, the soundtracks, uh, the the... the feeling of both of those games are so different like there are some serious moments in 10 too like uh, don't get me wrong there's some very like sort of heavy crap that goes on in 10 too but like compared to 10 that was like just so grand i just don't see how it would have like sort of fit really 
Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to... Because like, Uematsu is obviously very versatile. He was. And, but I he think was. at that stage in his career, he was just done. Like, yeah. he, need, he just needed a break. And if they had turned around and said, no, actually, we need you to churn out another soundtrack. Granted, the soundtrack for Ten Two is actually a lot smaller than mm. previous games. I think there's only two discs, whereas normally it would be three or four. Um, so that was nice for the new composers that came on board. But I just don't think Uematsu was really in the right frame of mind to kind of tackle it, especially because it was so different yeah. than the kind of previous games that they'd, they'd focused on. Yeah. No, I just think, I just feel like the feeling of the game was just so different compared to anything that um, Nobu has done in the past. I mean, with the with the kind of approach they took to the staff, do you feel that it was quite interesting that they decided to really go away from everything that they'd kind of done before. Yeah, I mean, it was really risky, to be fair. Like, I mean, you know, you just sort of think, like, normal sequels. Like, you don't go and watch a movie that's, like, a horror movie, and then you go and see the sequel and, like, have it be a comedy. Like, you don't just sort of... I mean, it's not that not that far of a, like, jump between the games, but still, it, it still felt that way, because it was just so campy. Compared to Final Fantasy X, yeah. it was like more serious, especially with what they were showing like pre um, pre release. So, I mean, like one of the first cutscenes is the um, real emotion yeah. singing a music and video, then, and then you've got like the Charlie's Angels thing where it's like why RP like, and everyone. I think a lot of the guys who had been interested in Final Fantasy at that point were just like, well, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, like, I mean, not to be sort of like that way but yeah no i mean it it was just it was such a jump but yeah i think it was a very interesting a very 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 interesting move well, i mean especially if you think about that like yuna he went from this like super reserved like really laid back like very duty-led person and then like all the artworks are like wearing like hot pants like running yeah. around with guns and like what what the hell where did this come from like it almost that's sort a of big feels... character transition I mean, and I mean, this might be stating the obvious, but it almost sort of feels like they were trying to tap into a different market using the safest thing that they felt that they could do. So they wanted to tap into more female oriented, uh, a fem- more female oriented market, but they figured instead of making a whole new game that was like female focused that could like completely bomb, why don't we just play it really safe and use an already made title like Final Fantasy X is recent. It's really done well. Um, it's beloved in the series. Why don't we just take a risk and go with Final Fantasy X I mean, too? You have to give Toriyama a lot of credit for that, actually, because, I mean, if you think about the history of Final Fantasy, he's pushed um, like female leads and female characters probably more than anyone else. Yeah. like All of the games where he's had a strong role... There's a strong female character. Ten two, they had three of them, mm. and it's. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to say, but like, it's the risk for him hasn't really paid off. Like, yeah, he's really tried to push. Lightning is a fantastic character. She is, but at the same time, the ten series is kind of still seen as a bit of a black mark. As I a know, whole. which is a shame because, and, like, actually, the characters aren't even bad. Like, Pain is fantastic. Pain like, is a badass. Pain is such a cool character, um, and I think that she doesn't give, she doesn't get like any credit. Where no, it's she's due. just kind of like people. I think a lot of people forget that Pain even exists. I know, which is a shame because she's really, really sick. I think they like. I mean, for me personally, I. 
like Riku is an okay character. I respect Riku. There's a lot of people that like, love Riku. But I I don't like her as much as Pain. I think that Pain was just such such a cool character and such an ode to like the characters before her, like Lulu and um Tifa and those type of characters that are a bit sort of rough around the edges. She's I guess. the kind of character like Yuna and Riku are kind of like they're softy soft. Oh, yeah. you couldn't really hurt anyone. Whereas Pain was like, I'm going to knock your fucking teeth out. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, her her past as well, like she's quite damaged, um, especially in where at the point that she's in in Final Fantasy X-2, which I think is why people misjudge it so easily because you really have to go through the game in order to even get yeah. to that level. So I think, you know, from the story, for anyone who's like maybe not actually ever really ventured into Ten Two, or just as a recap... Um, it's actually a pretty good premise. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the thing that maybe kind of sold me on it thinking back when I saw that initial trailer they did, mm. which was the pretty much the opening uh, cutscene apart from the real emotion. Uh-huh. One of them. Um, so it's after Final Fantasy X, you know, obviously Titus has kind of disappeared. Everyone goes their own way. Um, Yuna's still trying to do her. I'm good for the people. and But everyone's kind of trying to use her and she doesn't really see it so riku kind of gets fed up goes off and does her own thing becomes a sphere hunter uh, and this is all kind of explained in the eternal calm which was a secret ending that kind of bridges 10 and 10 2 yeah which again i don't know if a lot of people have necessarily seen no it, it was only in the international version yeah. which we only just got well we had it well you guys had it but in america we didn't have it which is why when i saw the script for it I was just like, what the hell is this? Why <laughs> have I not gotten this? Where is it? Um, so yeah, so Riku, when she's sphere hunting, she actually finds a sphere containing someone who looks a lot like Titus. Yeah. And she takes it to Yuna. Um, it's like, what do you want to do about this? So they basically form together. And uh, Yuna's like, well, I'll, I'll help you try to carry on catching spheres. Yeah. Um, to see if we can find out more. But at the same time, I really want to find out if that's Titus or not. Yeah. And um, it's actually a really good gambling chick- chip as well. Because you find out in um, Last Mission that, like, Riku is really hell-bent on getting Yuna out of Besaid. Because, like, Yuna has become a bit, like, sort of just just st- stuck in a rut. So yeah. she really wants to get her, like, out. So she's just like, look, I found a sphere that has... Titus possibly in it. Come out with me, please. And actually, that's also the reason why Yuna's dress changes because Riku's like, everyone's used to seeing you as a summoner. Like, you need to go a bit more incognito and just kind of branch out a little bit. Like, you've been this servant your whole yeah. life. You need to kind of do something for you. And, you need and to let- loosen up. Yeah, basically. Have a drink. <laughs> Get wild. She's so- that crazy, like, university friend who's just like, you need to get out of the house you need to start, you know, dancing and having all sorts of fun stuff. Let your hair down. Yeah. So if you fast forward to then to Ten Two, they've actually set up this little group called the Gullwings. Uh, brother, who's in the first game, is uh, now their rather crazy airship pilot who's got oh, a so weird strange. obsession with Yuna. Yeah. And they've found this new character called Pain, and they kind of also go as YRP or Yuripa. And um, yeah, so... That that trailer that I was talking about, like the the cutscene where they show Titus, which is actually Shuyin, mm. is really haunting. Like mm. I remember watching that. The music they played as well. It's yeah. just like, whoa, this is actually 
kind of dark. I know. And then it goes back to the yay happiness. I know. But like it's still it was like wow this is this is quite heavy. Like yeah. there was nothing like that really in ten. No, no. At first, like when I was watching it, I was just. I don't know why I immediately thought of it, but I immediately thought of, like, Bevel when um, all the characters are locked in Bevel in the jail cells. And I was just like, maybe this is just, like, a hidden sort of, like, video of when when Titus was locked away. That, that was my immediate thought. And then I was just like, no, wait, that can't be it. Because obviously yeah. it's like he's talking about. But that's the thing that always confuses me is that he's, like, talking about a summoner. And I was just like, oh, my God, what is going on? Yep. So it's like the whole thing is that um, Shu Yin was around a thousand years before and um, he and Len, his girlfriend, who was a summoner, uh, wife, girlfriend, girlfriend, uh, girlfriend, I think, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know they, they kind of married. tried to take a stand. Well, he tries to take a stand against everything that's going on with the with the war. Uh, and they end up getting shot and all this yeah. stuff. Uh, it's pretty bad. And really then, sad. Yeah. And then, like, it's it's really hard hitting. And he's basically refused to be sent so that he can destroy the world and use Vegnagan and all this crazy yeah. stuff. It's basically, like, destroy the world to save the world type of thing. Yeah. And, like, yeah, Shugan's a pretty... He's a damaged character. He's pretty dark. Um, But, like, there's so... This is the weird thing about... 10 to you because everyone just kind of sees the cutesy airy fairy like oh yeah let's all have ice cream and have like yeah weird, really weird spa trips and yeah. like all this kind of stuff and like even people like um shalinda mm. has now become like a news reporter and is all happy and bubbly and but then at the other side you've got like nuge barrelai gipple and Payne who are part of this thing called the crimson squad and there was this whole den of woe where, like, every like, uh, I think it was uh, Yevon, I think it was Keenock was like, we're going to kill everyone. And, like, yeah. it's really grim. Yeah. And, like, there's so many kind of dark moments. I mean, Seymour was pretty dark. Also kind of campy, but pretty dark. But, like, 10-2 has some really kind of harsh moments. It's not, like, yeah. all happy clappy and, like, LeBlanc's massaging yeah it's, it's like well actually there's some really is, dark yeah. dark moments and that's the thing like you know with final fantasy 10 2 it really is a game that pay it pays off the more you play it like in terms of the story yeah um and that's why the guide i think for this game is is probably the one that's most essential because yeah it's only when you're trying to get that 100 percent story that you actually go and vent like because you can go through the whole game and not really worry about the den of woe yeah and or learn anything about it because no. you have to pick up all the like the spheres you have to pick and... up the orbs you wouldn't even you could play through the entirety of final fantasy 10 2 and not even go to the den of woe I yeah, think. so there's, I don't think there's even like a, a thing that you they have kind to go of hint to. at different things. So like, yeah. oh, they've got a shared past and this kind of stuff. But yeah. like, there's so much hidden content within the game that you really need the guys to understand what happened, why it happened, like why it's all sinister and everything mm. like that. So I think the story is underrated. Oh, definitely. Okay, so there's some really bad stuff in there. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna try and skirt over that, but yeah, no. there are some good points to it. I think like. The whole, yeah, just the entirety of Payne's story with Nuge, Barrelai, and Gipple. It's almost like if that if that was just the entirety of the game, like if they if they had turned that into a its own Final Fantasy where it was just like completely new story, but just with Payne, Nuge, and Gipple, I think that would have been a fan- and Barrelai. Fan- I think that would have been a fantastic game. Everyone forgets about Barrelai. Yeah, poor Barrelai. Sorry, Barrelai. You're. Uh, Yevon. You know, you cute, tanned individual. 
Um, but yeah, no, I just, um, that story is just so great because it's these three characters who share such a dark past where they lived when like pretty much everybody else who was in their squad, like passed, passed on, like everybody else pretty much died. They were left, they were left for dead almost. But they escaped. And then hunted, right? And then hunted. And then they went off and did their own thing. So Beryline became head of New Yevon. Gipple, like, really established himself with the Albed, making his, like, sort of work there. And Payne just sort of went by the side and sort of did it. Kind of, I feel a bit sorry for them, really. Like, each of the other three is like, yeah, we're going to rule the planet and do all this stuff. And Payne's like, I'm going to become a sphere hunter. Yeah, I mean, she just did what she wanted to do. With a sword with skulls on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've been talking about story far too long, actually. I know. I know this is pretty. But it's good really, it's guys, really, but... it's the good bit. It's like it's it the is. good chunk. Well, and like it, it's, I'd say it's the good bit, but the gameplay. Oh, now yeah, that true. is the good bit. That's very true. So like, ten was a good progression on the gameplay that they with the ATB system they developed so far, but ten two was the point where they really kind of amped it up, like it. It, it was still turn-based, but it just felt so fluid. Yeah. And with the garment grid system, like, th- there had never been a job system implemented in the franchise so far that was just, you could just change to whatever you wanted at the time. And then like, how they put in the ultimate uh, sphere grids as well, where you had to, like, do certain transitions and change things. You get boosts and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was really advanced. And I've never heard anyone say anything derogatory about the 10-2 battle system. Uh, yeah, it's the the one thing that a lot of fans just are, are in agreement of, at least, with Final Fantasy X-2, is that the gameplay is fantastic. I um, I also just love that it was the three characters. I mean, granted, you had to level up, you had to sort of um, advance the specific dress spheres, but just the fact that it was just three characters that you had to worry about, that just made it, that made it a lot simpler and a lot nicer for me. I think that's also the good thing, because I know that... Um... Final Fantasy XIII's battle system divides people, um, and part of it is because it's like it's so fast that you don't have to think about anything; you just hit an auto all the time. Yeah, I think Ten Twos was a nice compromise because you could easily say the same thing about old battle systems where you just had to press X the whole time. It's just that you had the option to think about things if you wanted to. Yeah. Whereas Ten Two is like there was it was very fast, very fluid, but you also could kind of slow things down if you wanted to. Like you yeah. could it wasn't a case of, oh, um like in seven, for example, I went Cloud Barrett and Tifa to attack. They have to go one at a time. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Whereas in Ten Two you're like, I want all three my heroes to attack and they would all just bum rush the guy. Like yeah. as soon as you fit X they will move. I also felt like it wasn't hard in the way that Final Fantasy games have been in the past, where it's just a matter of, oh, let me just grind myself like to oblivion and try to get 999 on everything. I personally am not a fan of that style just because I just find it boring. But with Final Fantasy X-2, it was all about like, it was sort of about quick thinking. Like that was that was what made it difficult. Like there are certain enemies, um, especially in the uh, Bevel Trials. Um, I remember one particular, um, I forget what they were called, but they were these big, like, sort of lizard-type creatures, and um, they were just ridiculously hard just because of how fast-paced it was and how many quick decisions you had to make. So, it, like, it, the whether or not you grinded your people up to, like, Oblivion or whatever and like, made them really strong... It didn't really matter. You could still get your ass handed to you by these, um, by these. Yeah, enemies. And, and for anyone who's not aware, 
Final Fantasy X-T was very much the basis of Final Fantasy XIII's combat system. Mm. Um, Final Fantasy XIII started, I think, development as a PS2 game using Final Fantasy X-T as a model to move things forward. I think that's the case. Um, so there is a very clear similarity between the two systems. It's just that thirteens they just developed it a lot more. Mm. Some might say in a good way, some might say in a bad way, but there is there's definitely shared things there. Yeah, definitely. I think also with like the mini games and stuff like um, the Becklam's uh, like oh thing I hated on that Seb- like they were just fun thing little things yeah. that you could do and obviously there was the Sphere Break uh, game that they introduced. Yeah, Sphere Break is fun. So I think. Yeah, there was a lot of different elements they put in. And, and then there's uh, even like the beast, um, the sort of beast catching in uh, the international version as well, uh, where you could have people like Kamari in your party, like just weird <laughs> stuff going on. So moving on from the gameplay, we, we touched on the soundtrack before. Um, like, what were your thoughts on the soundtrack as a whole? Did you did you like it? Did you feel it was not a traditional Final Fantasy soundtrack? I think there were, I think some of the tracks were hit and miss. I think like, um, tracks like the main battle theme was a bit sort of tacky, but it was still catchy, but it was just, it, it wasn't as good as like other Final Fantasy games were, where you had that like riff that like, like you didn't have that sort of feel to it. It was like completely different. Yeah. They were a lot more, um, kind of atmospheric. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like, it was, yeah, there wasn't like a crutch. No, no. And then some of the area themes, like uh, the one that I can think of in particular, um, is when when you're going around Chateau Leblanc, um, there's some (laughs) things where you're just like, it's like incidental music. It's like not, well, there's that one, but then there's also the one that's, um, it's a bit more incidental. It's like, it's like weird and there's like weird chanting and stuff in it and it's not there's not really a theme there it's just music it's i think just everyone sounds. struggled like it's in the last game guado salam like it just what it like the yeah music, it's, it's true just... it's true but um see so yeah, those no. tracks those tracks i wasn't a big fan of but i mean they're kind of like throwaway tracks anyway but I did love the themes in um, Final Fantasy X-2. I loved Besaid's theme um, and Yuna's theme. Um, and uh, quite a lot of that, like uh, some of the tracks, the themes, I think, stood out a lot in Final Fantasy X-2. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but I when X-2 uh, was kind of in the wings of coming out, um, I actually was running a Final Fantasy music website and... Um, I was tentative to say the least. And of course I got access to the soundtrack way before like it was ever like 10 was ever going to come out in the UK because of the Japanese release. And I remember listening to it and I was just like, what the hell is this? I just, <laughs> I went through every single sound like track on the soundtrack methodically, just thinking, I just, I just can't get into this. <laughs> and it wasn't like I was too common, like an, uh, an uncommon thing. Like I'd listen to soundtracks for games I'd never played and I'd be able to kind of appreciate different elements of the music but with ten two, i just was like i just there's nothing here there's no substance to anything the only track i really liked was mount god gazette which mm. i felt was a, a a good strong track and then obviously played the game going into it kind of apprehensive about things like i wasn't expecting massive stuff from the music and i was like this music works really well like it was i was kind of blown away with just how perfectly the music fitted mm. with the game and then I just remember kind of afterwards just going back to listen to the soundtrack and I was like, oh, 
actually Mount Gagazette's probably the one that doesn't work with the location. <laughs> it it just I just didn't feel it worked with anything that was Gagazette related in that game. Yeah. But everything else, like I the Besed theme I really love. Mm. Um a lot of the location themes I think about in Kilikai like yeah, I think about them in st- like over the ten ones. Yeah, they they just have a bit more quirkiness, and I think that the thing about ten two that sums up the soundtrack for me is just very punchy. Yeah, like all the kind of the, the instrumentation they used was just really crisp, clean, fast, punchy, and like there was there of course there was the, the slower tracks in there, and think, but even those like the piano tracks at the end, it's just like a boom. And then we're going to do like a scale. It was just like in your face straight away. Like most of the tracks were just, they started with such high energy. Yeah. There was no real introduction. Like it was just, that was, I felt that was really cool. It was, yeah. it kind of just drove the action of the thing. And of course, a thousand words is. Yeah. A thousand words is really lovely. Especially cool. the piano version is really lovely. And I, 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 I was so happy. And this is not anything against Kodakumi, but I was so happy they got Jade yeah. to do the English version because yeah. it just worked so much better. Yeah, it did. I mean, yeah, I it, it is a shame, but yeah, no, I do, I do like Jade's version definitely. Um, the the orchestral I version. The or- was... I prefer the orchestral version, and I kind of wish that they used that in the um, in the actual game. Well, they did. They used the ending one. Yeah, it was the ending ending one, the one that you don't really like listen to. The ending theme as well was really lovely. I mean, the one that plays well. Um, uh, the da, 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 when they're on the airship going away. I thought that was really, really pretty. And then even the one that happens in the secret ending. And um, yeah, there was a lot of really, really, really sort of chills, like tracks going on in there. Um, I think I some loved. of the themes, like I, I wasn't really too keen on Riku and Payne's themes. Like they no. were just like, where did that come from? Like, so, like yeah, I think Payne's like, do, 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 do. Like some kind do, of jazz number. Do, like, do, boom, where boom, did, boom, boom. Is jazz now something that we're supposed to associate with this character? Like, da, da, da. but I like I like the vocal yeah, versions. The of vocal them. versions of the things If they had that in there, I think that would have been good. Yeah, it's a bit strange, but, but um, um, yeah. So I think I asked uh, everyone on Twitter whether or not they agreed that Final Fantasy Ten Two is one of the worst in the numbered series, and. 86% of people said definitely not. So that was quite pleasing. Yeah. But yeah. 14% of the... Oh, damn you, 14%. I know. I know. We'll come and find you. No. What do you think uh-huh. is better? Hey? 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 And, uh... Actually, a lot of people were saying like Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, and 5 were a lot worse. And 13. Yeah. I definitely think that it's nowhere near as as upsetting an experience as what I had with like Final Fantasy 1. But there again, I really do like 10 too. Like I actually, it's one of my favorite I games to play. I think it was play. just that jolt. It was the kind yeah. of, at the time, a lot of people, like I, I know people that I ran Final Fantasy websites with, they just refused point blank to play the game. Which is a shame because like it's a great game to experience. I think now that, we, especially with the 10, 10 10 2 remaster, a lot of people have kind of softened and gone back to, and just mm. actually said, you know what, I'm actually going to try and play this game. Yeah. And realize that it's probably not what they thought it was. Yeah, I definitely I definitely think it's it's definitely worth looking into. So yeah, that's uh, that's our 10T discussion. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We're now going to try and move on to the news. We've got to try and bash through this because we are running really late off schedule. Uh, 
That's what we always do. It's our classic thing. But actually, um, I've just remembered, before we do the news, we have a special segment. Hey, Lewis. Uh, welcome so to Final Fantasy Union. How's it going? And uh, we're going to catch up with I'm all our Patreon well, supporters. Lauren. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's great um we we've been looking forward to this especially since like you've been a big supporter of ours especially on um not only patreon but also um just with the podcast and with the gatherings as well you've been to um you've been to all three gatherings or no sorry all two gatherings you, you're coming to the third yes yes <laughs> let's I not am. get ahead of ourselves but yeah, you've been like a major supporter of of ours so I mean this was only inevitable wasn't it Oh, um, put it this way, if it's Final Fantasy, it's more than enough just to put my, all my will into it. The gallery oh. amazing. Probably some of the best I've been to so far. Keep them up. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, no, it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, So the first things first that we need to get out, the first things first, I'm a realist, you know. Um, What is your hype level for Final Fantasy XV right now? At right at the moment, I am very excited. Um, I've played both the episode The Sky and the Platinum demos. I'm, I've enjoyed both. Um, the update for episode The Sky did have lower frame rates at certain moments, but I can skip that past that because it's only um, it's not the final product. I'm sure they can work yeah. on it. They have plenty of time by then to do so. Yeah, um, definitely. The, yeah, the story looks amazing probably the vast the lore alone is probably just like the vastest i've seen in a final fantasy game so far i know right like there's so many theories going around with it as well um like how do you feel about like what so i mean they haven't really revealed that much at the moment have they like they revealed like little bits haven't they like the um the images and like the um the genesis thing um have you have you thought about who's in the Genesis, like what the Genesis uh, concept art like means? Uh, not really, not really exactly what it means, but more of a representation of um, how the game looks and the overall atmosphere of the story in general. It just makes me that much excited even more to find out what the full explanation is by the thirtieth September. I don't really tend to look into it as much because I don't want sure. to spoil myself too much. Oh my gosh, definitely. Yeah, definitely so I, agree with that. So I take a lot of stuff with a pinch of salt, but just take a lot of the arts or a lot of the cutscenes or the amount of story that they want to reveal as it is with a pinch of salt. Yeah, no, definitely. No, that's that's absolutely fine. There's some of us who like to uh spoil things including myself whoops um (laughs) but i totally respect the fact that you want to keep it like completely fresh and that sort of thing um will you then see kingslave do you think before um the game comes out if it if it does come um to theaters over here i doubt that i live near a theater that's gonna be (laughs) but i have pre-ordered it so i'm definitely getting the blu-ray for it so Mm. yeah either way i'm definitely watching it probably first yeah yeah, before before, it, before yeah. Final Fantasy fifteen, because yeah, it's releasing before Final Fantasy fifteen, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, but either way, um, if uh, if I watch it before I get the pre order or when I do, I'm definitely watching it before playing it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Have you been keeping up with uh, Brotherhood at all? Um, Brotherhood, I. That's the um the anime. Oh yeah, the anime. Yeah. Um, sorry, I had a um. It's okay. Yeah, an empty mind there. <laughs> it's uh, absolutely uh, but... fine. I've been really busy with a lot of my personal life, so I've only got as far as the first episode. But um, that's fine, though. I am. Um, 
I'm, I'm definitely going to catch up with it. The, I've, I, from what I saw in the first episode, it is very promising. It's, there, it's going places. But yeah. Not, all the details I've heard from the previews of the later episodes, um, I, I am looking forward to see how it interacts with the whole story as a whole. The same thing with A King's Tale and King's Glaive as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, a King's Tale. I mean, like, are where did you um where did you pre-order your thing? Are you going to be getting King's uh King's Tale? Because isn't it only coming out with like game pre-orders or something? Yeah, I pre-ordered it game because uh, um, uh, on my route to work, um, there is a game store on the way there. Yeah, so I, I always stop by just to see if anything has been added or if anything has been reduced, so I can just get something cheap that I have not played when it was originally released and just carry on from there. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I, uh, as soon as I saw Uncovered, um, I knew that they were going to be doing pre-orders like the day after. So, <laughs> I so after watching it, I went over uh, to the nearest game like as fast as I could before going to work because my bus was a little bit late. I was like. Are you taking pre-orders now? And like, yeah, yeah, we haven't got any prices yet, but with the date already been released, yeah, we, we can uh, do that, no problem. Yeah, sign me up. Oh, my God, yeah. amazing. Because I'm, uh, I, no matter what, I'm definitely playing it after what I've seen. Yeah, definitely. I know, Uncovered was incredible, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so surprised that we actually got featured in it. <laughs> I know, I know, isn't that sick? Yeah, it's... um. Uh, I, I, Sadly, I didn't get time to include any of the, in any of the interviews because I was too busy talking to um, you and uh, yeah. my friends that uh, I'd rarely ever see because none of them are local. Yeah, no. But um, yeah, it's just it's been absolutely mind blowing that um, the community as a whole, especially with technology at our side, is becoming smaller and smaller, but at the same time, a lot more vast regarding. Um, that like I wouldn't don't want to say boundaries, but what we can talk about as a community and just how easy it is just to get all the higher ups to hear about what we're doing and how we're feeling and what we're anticipating. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like the fact that people like Tabata have been really sort of connecting with the fans quite a bit. It's been really, really nice this time around. I think that's one of the things that's making Final Fantasy 15, like, so sort of hype-worthy is that, like, we all feel like we're a part of it, don't we? Yeah, the first time I thought that was um, I was looking at the Final Fantasy UK fans page and uh, I saw a little um, transcript of um, Dan Sito's um, conversation with Tabitha about um, the group mm. because um, I think he found out about it whilst um, uh, just um, minding his own business and uh, through what... I think it was just after MCM. And we yeah. did this big massive photo shoot of Final Fantasy XV cosplays at the release of Episode Dusk Guy. Yeah. And it was like, oh yeah, I've heard about this group. Um, I heard you were like, um, really affiliated with them. Uh, how are they? It's like, yes, we're really, we're really, really, really excited. We can't wait to um, uh, experience it as a whole. I was like, yeah, the, we, the Japanese, we're, our community don't have um, communities or pe- uh, fan events as strong as this were pr- basically they're pretty jealous from what I yeah well yeah really look, they really want to um, uh, get involved with us somehow and then I saw the gather when I went to the first gathering and before the first Fiat Rhythm tournament over there I saw the little presentation because it was the the day of Final Symphony wasn't it yeah it was yeah and I saw the little message from Nobu Amatsu I nearly cried. 
Oh. <laughs> considering you, about my music, he's my all-time hero, and I met yeah. him in the most recent Distant Worlds in London. Oh, really? And, yeah. When I um when I got the VIP. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I tried to say I'm not worthy in Japanese, <laughs> which is Watashi wa gatsugadaidas. <laughs> and I did the whole bowing and everything, and just be... yeah. Did you say it like a like a bit like Wayne, like from Wayne's World? Just you know, the, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I stammered when the, the <laughs> moment I saw him. I was just so nervous. Oh, yeah, it was around that line. But uh, <laughs> Arnie Roth, God bless the gentleman. He corrected me. Um, I was uh, going to shake his hand, and I'm like. I am living the dream. Not the oh. dream, but I'm on my way. But, yeah. Uh, and but when I took the picture, I got my copy of Final Fantasy VIII signed, which is my first one. Uh, oh, wow. The Atta Ribbon Curtain Call, my little copy of that, and the program as well. Oh, that's amazing. But, yeah, um, I, and I got it all displayed in my um, games room. It's um, It's definitely a memory worth keeping. Yeah, definitely. I just love that, like, Uimatsu is also like <laughs> i mean i guess it's a bit narcissistic but it's also like cute in a way as well yeah. um but like he's he's such a big fan of his own work <laughs> which is good like i mean um when we went to we went to one of the rehearsals for um i think it was for final symphony and um he was just so excited listening to his own music yeah so it's like even though we're fans of it like he's just he's just as much a fan like i mean for him to listen to it all orchestrated and um just so done up he's just like he just seems so enamored with it still which is crazy to think because it's been like 25 years yeah. more than that now almost 30 years he, he doesn't um, ignore the fans either no no it's just that i remember on that distant worlds concert they were preparing for dark world because he was solo keyboard wasn't he and yeah for solo violin with the orchestra orchestra in the background they were yeah i think they're having a slight technical difficulty with a synthesizer setting up so there was a slight pause on that performance um it was just about to start you could hear a lone voice shout i love you yeah i know i remember that <laughs> oh that was amazing and then everyone just applauded afterwards before the piece actually started and i was like yeah, yeah that's final fantasy love right there yeah Oh, that was such a good song as well. I really, really, really love that rendition. I love whenever Arnie Roth, I mean, when Nobuo Uematsu comes up and does the piano, like, that's fine. But whenever Arnie Roth pulls out his violin, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know it's something special. I know. (laughs) I know. Like, that and, like, Blinded by Light, just incredible by Arnie Roth. Mm. But um, speaking of music... Just yeah. a tidbit for anyone who's interested listening. Um, Lewis is actually is a composer, as he just said, um, and he's had his work featured on one of our previous episodes in the Music Spotlight. And he also wrote the jingle for our Work Digest show. Um, so, how are things going with uh, regards to music? Are you working on anything exciting at the moment? Well, things have been going slow at the moment with a lot of my personal life going all over the place with my work. I work in retail, and sure. it being the summer, it's going to be quite manic for the next few months. But I'm slowly getting there. I'm not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> um, uh, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm not a fan of leaving anyone out. So sure. what I'm doing is I'm I'm planning to do a little piece for the Kingdom Hearts Union guys with for Brandon and Churro. Yay! <laughs> I'm thinking of um, doing a like a horror kind of mix of Castle Oblivion from Rechain of Memories. 
Oh, that would be sick. Yeah, so uh, it's it's early stages, very, very early. So I might not expect to hear anything the next few weeks or so. But by the time I finish it, I'll definitely let him know, see if he likes it. And who knows, might feature on that Sunday. Yeah, I, I definitely think you would. I mean, yeah, no, um, it's crazy with Kingdom Hearts Union at the moment. Since, yeah. like, Brandon's just gone to Japan. But, oh, my God, no, he, he'll, he'll love it. He'll love it, absolutely. Yeah, I nearly applied for the same program as him a couple years back. Oh, Jack, yeah? Yeah, but um, uh, eventually I didn't hand in my application because there were slight conflictual um, reasons going on with both my family and my friends because it was my final year at university and um, there were a lot of um, people who were a bit worried that I might not get in touch with them as much as I was and like Uh... forget them all completely and I really felt sorry for all of them i was like no it's all right i could do it another time i'll leave it for now yeah yeah that's the thing it has to be like the right time doesn't it exactly yeah but yeah no i i'm definitely way way sort of jealous and envious of it like just to be able to spend a year in japan it just sounds sounds like so much fun but i heard about going to japan i was like oh yeah what's he doing and then i heard him mention jess i'm like the same thing as me (laughs) does he actually know about it but yeah 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 it's Uh, quite universal i've had a i've had a bunch of friends now who've um at least applied or tried to do it and um and yeah it just seems like a really really great program that's obviously global yes um uh, i i didn't know that it was branched as big as it was i knew that there were programs out there but i thought it was gonna be doing a lot more of those but i didn't know Jet as a whole was like what the one of the leading ones because yeah. I never knew about it prior to them advertising a spot at my campus saying that oh yeah we're doing this uh, little seminar for for anyone who's interested yeah, yeah I didn't oh, know anything it. about it until then but yeah um so just out of curiosity though yes um how did you originally get into Final Fantasy was it through the fan gatherings or was it um was it before then as well oh way before then uh, my, my story is a very weird one to say the least um it's uh, it was a family thing um when I was very very young say about five six years old um it's about 1999 I am uh, like most of all of my families were pretty big gamers at the time not so much now but um i um visit my aunt once and um she had a playstation i had nothing later on i did get a sega mega drive but I moved on to playstation after that but um she showed me all these terrific games that um, i just fell in love with and just stuck with them as a series as time grew on tomb raider uh, Pandemonium, which is probably the first game I ever played, Pandemonium 2, uh, Final Fantasy VIII, uh, Crash Bandicoot, oh, uh, wow. and the like. Um, and uh, I just just fell in love with them. And by the time I got my own PlayStation, um, I didn't have to uh, wait until I get to see them again, which I don't as much now because I'm slowly going into more adult life than child life. Yeah. But um, I was like, um, please, I need to borrow it. Uh, so it's just I know what the rest of the game is like. I didn't know it was going to be so long. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and um, yeah, she's like, yeah, I, she couldn't get past the fire cavern. Was, oh my gosh. So I was like, yeah, 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 go on. But the next time I have to um, go back, I have to um, give it back. So I had this little ritual saying, like, borrowing it, giving it back, borrowing it, giving it back. Until she's like, no, just just bloody keep it. 
<laughs> I'm not gonna use it. Keep it. Oh, that's amazing. The um and that game actually no, it's very very close to holding my personal record for the longest time to beat again. Oh, uh, really? To beat the first time, sorry. Um, with um the other game, which is I think has already beaten it, Final Fantasy twelve. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, ten years. Oh man. 10 yeah, years. Um, yeah, um, which includes starting over and moving over to other games because I was just grew tired of just g- doing the same battle over and over again. I was a yeah. big RPG noob at the time, so I didn't really know what um, all the popular tactics were and or how specific things or statistics work. And yeah. Until I'd met a few other people at school who were into the series, and I still only played eight at the time. I think the next ones I played were three and ten around that time. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, three, twelve, and ten. And uh, they were telling me, oh, no, you have to do this, this, and this, and this reacts to that, and so on and so forth. I was like, oh, yeah, I understand now. And then I just recently got myself a turbo controller, so all I did was mash boost with my GFs. That was it. <laughs> That's done. I found, a, I found an element they're weak against and just boosted it and just spam that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a I was a pretty obnoxious kid at the time. But <laughs> but yeah, it's, um after that it just grew and grew and grew um until it just became a major pinnacle of who I am as a person and all the themes that they've explored I really learned from and mm-hmm. Whenever I'm in a similar situation to a very pinnacle scene in one of the games, I always mm-hmm. think to myself, what would this character do? Or if I could relate, um, how would they delve into this situation and just act from there? It's a yeah, really big part of my life. Aww. Well, so which one would you say is your favorite? Would you say that 8 is your favorite or which one? No. Um, I'd probably say my favorite is Dissidia Duel Dissim. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just... Um, it was the big dream of mine since that age to have all of these different worlds and characters come together for a big celebration, this big showdown of um, what Final Fantasy is all about. Yeah, like definitely. Friendship, um, conflict, and um, harmony, discord, so on. And um, and when when I first saw the trailer, I just found it out of the blue, and I was like, I never heard the, the word Dissidia before. When I saw <laughs> Fantasy, and I see Squall on TV show on the thumbnail, the video, I'm like, okay, this it just looks like a fan made thing. Turns out it was a PSP game. There's a beat up with all the characters. I'm like, are you serious? This is this <laughs> a joke? Is this a mod or something? I'm gonna get this. Yeah. Fell in love with it, and then I found out there was this um, extended part of the game with Duel Dissim, um, which had the prequels with Lightning, Kane, Laguna. Laguna being an addition to um, Duel Dissim pretty much sold it as a whole because when I when I was a big fan of Final Fantasy VIII, Laguna was probably one of my favourite characters. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, and um, Laguna being Squall's father? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But- yeah, it's, and then I just religiously played that time after time. Whenever I had a break at school, when I was still doing sixth form, post-16 stuff, I just play that and just try and go through the story whilst just powering up all my mains, which were Sephiroth, Cloud, and Squall at the time. Yeah. 
And um, I couldn't get through Feral Chaos, no matter how hard I tried. Level 130? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, it's just... And the fact that this actually exists... Yeah. ...proves the point of how much I'm a fan of Final Fantasy. And Ishimoto's arrangements of all of the um, original music is just breathtaking. Yeah, so, I know. That's my favorite one. He's done, like, such a great job with that and, like, with Type Zero as well. And Crisis um, Core, yeah. Are you excited for, are you excited for um, Dissidia, the arcade version? I bet you yes. must be chomping at the bit for that. Yeah, I see, I see all the announcement trailers and um, all the different... Um, I, I try to see as much gameplay as I can through other YouTube channels because I know a lot of people tend to capture a lot of... Um, footage from the Japanese arcades it's sure. just to give you a little taste of what to expect from a home console release and I yeah. know they're running on a PS4 engine so it's close to inevitable I know I know it's just when yeah, when so Square Enix when the stages as well they are I know. close to real and you're I've so all, cool yeah and I always imagine myself look this would be great if it was a home console just on the online community would just explode oh it's so would yeah it's like their answer to like Smash Brothers it would be just absolutely amazing yeah. or Persona 4 Golden or something like yeah. that yeah yeah um what was it Persona no, 4 Arena, Arena. yeah mm. Arena yeah, but no. Um, but yeah, that's all the time we have. But uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being a supporter of us, and thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. And um, yeah, uh, we just appreciate everything that you've done for us. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, like I said before, the gatherings are like the best and the most pure I could ever visit. Keep them up, definitely. Welcome back, everyone. If you'd like to take part in the segment like Lewis just did, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. We are now, as I mentioned before, going to dive into our news. Um, so the first piece of news is Kingsglaive. I'm going to try and amalgamate 13 stuff into Kingsglaive because it all happened around the same time. And there's not really any 15 stuff that happened. It was just all ancillary 15 universe stuff. So San Diego Comic Con obviously took place uh, last week. Uh, I think last week, week before, around that, um, there, we was, we had a new trailer for Kingsglaive. They had a panel and there was also a new trailer for a King's Tale, which they showed off. So the panel was pretty cool. I get, you should guys should go and check it out. They had, um, unfortunately, they didn't have Sean Bean or Aaron Paul or anyone like that, but they did have Liam Mulvey, who plays Libertas, and they had Andrea Tividar, who plays Crow. And they also had the director, Takeshi Nizue. So um, obviously they had lots of questions and they showed off the new trailer which was pretty cool. Um, there were some very interesting pieces of information in that trailer. And um, if you are kind of against spoilers and don't want to know anything really about the um, Kingsglaive, then probably just cut out for the next 15 seconds. But there were two cameos that were shown. One was Ultros, which is, I guess, makes sense. He's been in numerous games. The yeah. other, not so much. It was Diamond Weapon, for yeah. Final Fantasy VII. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it's really random. Like, actually, it's quite funny because in the E3 trailer, he is shown there for about half a second. And a couple of people on Reddit were saying like, oh, at the time, oh, that looks like that character from <laughs> that game. Uh, and everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, are you stupid or something? That makes no sense. But now it pretty much is confirmed. Like, there's no denying that that is the character that's coming back. And um, I think it's really interesting. There have been conspiracy theories saying that Final Fantasy X, uh, sorry, Final Fantasy VII 
that links up with 15 somehow like that that 15's connected to other games mm. maybe that somehow confirms it. i mean it makes me wonder what a what else they're going to put in the kingsglaive film mm. in terms of cameos and like but there was also like nods to um eclair which is um lightning's name in final fantasy in the japanese version of uh final fantasy 13 were you aware of that not really no, no. And uh, there was the bank of the bank of um, Shinra. No, sorry, what am I talking about? The bank of Spira was uh, shown in the trailer, and also there was a shop called Lindsay, who's one of the gods from the Fabulous Crystal. So they were just thrown in the Easter eggs of that yeah. trailer, and it was really cool. So I'm really curious to see what else they're going to throw in. You checked out the King's uh, King's Tale trailer as well, right? Um, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So it was um. It wasn't that too long of a trailer. I mean, when they announced the game at E3, they said we're going to have a new trailer sending a con. So it's actually really pleasing they stuck to one of their deadlines. Yeah. Um, they showed off a couple of the mechanics. They kind of talked about the fact that, yeah, it's Regis talking with uh, Noctis about a bedtime story, about a fictional event that took place 30 years before where Regis is fighting a load of crap that just the monsters had just happened to be exactly the same as the ones that are in Final Fantasy 13. <laughs> sorry, 30. Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. Uh, despite that long ago uh, lots of numb blades who everyone is still confusing for gilgamesh i know oh my god the amount of times i get gilgamesh i mean bless it like you know it, it's it's gilgamesh okay may, it's okay he may, may still be in it he may be in it whatever but, but yeah no that is numb blade is yes yeah, 100 um, but yeah they they in the trailer they actually announced or confirmed a rumored character who actually appeared on the imdb page a long time ago so it kind of lends credence to those imdb leaks that keep happening yeah um so that's a character called Wescom. Uh, Westcom Armor, Armag, Armal, Armor, I'm gonna say. Armor. Um, he's a guy who uses guns, uh, and was part of Regis's crew back in the day, <laughs> along with Sid, uh, Sid Sophia, um, who's Sydney's uncle, and, um, or Cindy, I should say, sorry. I'm gonna start calling him Westcom Armagar. Armagar! And, uh, Claris Amacitia, who is Gladiolus and Iris's dad. Hmm. Alright, so that was King's Tale. Um, they also announced the U.S. theaters for King's Way. Yes. So there's 13 in the initial wave. They now expand it to within us six. But unfortunately for anyone who is spread across the U.S., they're very strongly focused in three regions. Yeah. California, New York, or the New York area. I think there's a couple in Virginia as well. Mm. And Texas. Yep. And there's one in Florida. I think they've just yeah, announced really one in scattered. Washington, as in uh, Seattle. And I think they've had ones in Chicago. Something like that. So yeah, there's a lot but, yeah, of states so that are getting no love. So unless you're like in a really sort of populated area, you're probably not going to get any. Um, well, you might you might get it. I mean, they might still be announcing places because yeah. I think they said that there's still more to come. But yeah. at the moment, it definitely seems like it's in these really really populated areas. Yeah, and then for me, for which me, makes sense. Yeah, but like you know, can't you just each state has at least one massive city? Yeah, like, maybe they're trying to see interest. Yeah. before they do it um so the other good thing was that in europe people have been kind of clamoring from what i've seen for a uk premiere of some kind um there's still no word on that at the moment no but uh sony france announced that there would be a premiere happening in paris at the cinema called le grand rue the grand mm. rue right it's not the, i, know, I know it's not the it's not, it's not the grand rex put it that way <laughs> le grand rex <laughs> it's actually a t-rex i'm gonna say le grand rue uh i'm gonna get 
butchered for that, I'm sure. But they're going to be doing a premiere of Kingsleave on the 15th of September, which is obviously, of course, after the digital release of it, which happens on the 30th of August. Mm. But it's probably the only chance, if you're French, to see the, the Kingsleave in its natural setting out in the wild habitat (laughs) there's a wild kingsglaive (laughs) um okay so the next piece of news because i'm really conscious of time now yeah is um mobius is of course coming out very soon and the pre-orders actually way exceeded square x expectations i don't really know what to make of that considering brave exvius had a ton of pre-orders and they basically blitzed all of their goals yeah Mobius, they set the pre-order bonuses at 50,000. They broke that pretty quickly and then, like, didn't seem to expect that would happen. So <laughs> they, like, they didn't do anything for a couple of days, but then they just put a little note on the website saying, um, we didn't anticipate this. So we've got to try and think of some new goals. So <laughs> just kind of bear with us. Yeah. Please be excited. Yeah. And then they, add, they added the new goals, which then were 150, 200, and 250k. I think they're currently closing on 200,000. So I don't think they'll, get that max tier before launch but it's it's quite cool that that it's kind of the hype's building i've seen a lot of people actually just really pushing people to try and break those goals yeah um but i mean are you are you looking forward to king uh sorry mobius mobius um a bit i mean i'm i'm really having a tough time with my iphone just the fact that i like i have no space i, I did hear something and this that was actually yeah, a question it like 2. by 2.5 gigabytes or something yeah so this was a question by john mccrea just to get okay. in there but yeah um i think the app's about two two gig or something yeah, so it's crazy my my phone's only eight gigabytes yeah so i don't think you're gonna be playing it probably not because just, just because i don't have the space i'd have to delete everything including baby pictures and baby more is important right more now. important yeah uh, I'm I'm probably going to give it a go. Yeah. I mean, I gave Brave Exvius a go. I mean, it, and Record Keeper as well. They weren't necessarily because the internet connection reliance it just bugs the crap out of me. Yeah, the only true. time I can play I these games. I don't seem to care about it with Pokemon Go. I I don't know. Yeah, but way. that's because you're walking around. Like I know. That's I, true. I, I generally the only time I really have to play these things is either when I'm sitting in a chair at home, in which case I'd rather not be playing a mobile phone game, or when I'm on a train. Yeah. And. But if the train, I just lose internet all the time. So it just yeah. is completely redundant. Yeah. Um, all right. So our last story is... King Hydewind joins Dissidia, which is really, like, unexpected. Like, I just didn't really think that they would go this route with Kane, especially since the last announcement was just so big with... Um, with uh, Kefka. Kefka, that's it. With Kefka, like, everybody was just like, oh my god, Kefka's coming to the city, I have to have this game. So, getting somebody like Kane, it was a bit lackluster. Um, to be fair, I think that they probably should have waited to announce Kefka, like, someone like that, just because of who well, he I think, is. I mean, like, what you said last, when we were discussing Kefka before, where, like, you know, it was good to just get him out there. Because, like, it a is, lot of the other antagonists are is. boring as hell. Yeah, but it's true. But then we're kind of seeing now the negative effects, the negative ramifications of Kefka. Which is what I was trying to Kefka. say. Which, yeah, it is true what you were going to say. I know. But I just wanted Kefka, okay? I just was really excited for him. Um, but, like, with Kane, yeah, it's a bit like, all right, that's that's great. I mean, I love Kane. I think Kane is a great character. But it's also just compared to Kefka and that sort of thing. But I just really don't know how they're going to do the future ones. I mean, what they said that they're going to do now, um, because of the negative backlash that's happened in yeah, Japan. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, it's been, the feedback's been mixed. And they kind yeah. of made a rod for their own back because they 
before the lead up they were like they've been doing characters every two months they were like oh no we're gonna do them every month now and this next one's gonna be so amazing you're gonna be so excited about it and then it was kane and people were just like really that's that's not really what you promised like thanks um but like the thing is is that like what their response was was what i kind of am a bit peeved about because they said all right well then if that's the case we're we're not going to um hype it up which i guess i don't know i i think that that's pretty silly but two um they're going to go back to their two-month model where they're only going to release yeah, they were like- them every two months which i think is bad because like it's going to take them forever like it's going to take forever for them to even get to a point where they can be like all right well maybe we can push it off to console because you think about how many freaking villains there are yeah. and how many boring villains and there i think are. they said that they're aiming to have 50 characters in the game finally it's just like they already got, had like, on 20 now I like think. what are the big what are the next big villains that they sort of have under their belt in order to and even other characters i mean I think that they really need to rethink this. I don't think that they should have, like, one character. I feel like they should maybe come out with, like, a few and, like, do little batches if they're going to do it this way. I guess it depends how much time it takes them to make the character and, and balance all that stuff. It's but true. But, like, like... I think the... Yeah, the the way they kind of had it to just say, like, well, actually, well, we've been trying to build it up and everything, but, oh, you didn't like the way we built it up, so we're just not going to do it anymore. It just seems like there was no planning. And granted, like, Square Enix isn't really the best planners like they're not good planning they've shared that time and time again with their games um but i just don't think that they're i don't think that they planned it well with the dissidia characters no, i think that I, they... I do wonder if they've got like a like a 12 month roadmap or whether yeah. it's just like maybe they're planning one or two characters in advance yeah and like it, the the way they should really be doing it is when they do a character like kane who is obviously he's obviously been in a previous game before um he was in Dissidia uh O2 or Duridism. Um and he's obviously the second character from four, which, you know, it's it's a decent game, but it doesn't have the most hype around it. Yeah. Um just announce someone new. Like yeah. put do two like do a if you're gonna do like Kefka could have been on his own. Like yeah. everyone wanted Kefka. Yeah. And to be honest, someone like Sephiroth or even someone like Shantoto, people would probably get quite excited about just as a Well Shantoto's already in it. But yeah, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, someone, someone of like that magnitude, where yeah, people are just like, there's something that's fun and exciting about them, mm. like Cloud, if you wanted to, yeah. But like, if it's someone that you're just gonna kind of push in, like, I don't think people are gonna be like Laguna, yeah. Like, it's not gonna be the most inspiring of additions. No. Announce a new character at the same time, like join them together, so that yeah. you've got the excitement of oh, they're bringing this other character back, but also. Like how much how people were so excited about Ramza. Like, yeah. Even though Tactics is not I mean, it's a kind of hidden gem within the franchise and it's got its loyal fan base, but it came out twenty years ago and a lot of people don't even know who Ramza is. Like do some like they haven't had a monk yet, I don't think. They haven't had a monk character. Do somebody like Tifa. Like or, Tifa I think people would be really happy with. Add eight from type zero. And like, eight from type zero. Like, they could add a Although type- the hi- type zero hypes kinda died down. But like if I think if they added an unorthodox character, that's that's what people have been craving out for. Mm. They don't necessarily want to see... Obviously, people want to see the Sephiroths, but just bringing back the characters they already did is just... Like you yeah. said, like, Ramza... Like, maybe do, like... Instead Genesis. Of, instead like, Genesis of doing... would be 
people would love Genesis to it's be in true. it. It's true. Or like even Caius as well. Yeah. People and have Geo. been hankering for. Um, I think also even like, I mean, they could have tied it in with 9 didn't come out. And I think Decidio was already out when Des- when 9 was coming out. But like target it with the video game releases. Yeah. Like when 9 came out, Vivi. there should have been there should have been either Vivi, Freya, like Kuja, like there should have been somebody in there when they did um when they did the announcement for Shh, Final Fantasy. You're giving Sorry. them all these ideas I know. now. When they did Final Fantasy the Final Fantasy twelve announcement, you should have come out with either Gabranth or Balthier or something. Just something to go along with that. And then like I hope that they do it for Final Fantasy fifteen, that they're gonna still do like Noctis around the same time. Like that would I be I don't think they will. You don't think so? Like maybe like a week before? I reckon no, I reckon Noctis will be way after. Like that's what they should be doing. They should have they should have planned <laughs> Square Enix. They should have planned this in advance to just go with that, like, you know? But they didn't. Because right. they don't. Off soapbox. Done. Off soapbox. News I'm done. offer. Um Hire yeah. me for your marketing department, Square <laughs> Enix. I will whip you into shape. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah. Um yeah, so um that's that's pretty much the news. There was there was more stuff that happened, but we've we've really got to kind of round yeah, up. Actually, if you want to know why we're rushing, it's because we said that we were gonna be somewhere fifteen minutes ago. Yeah. And mm. yeah, so that's working out well for us. Whee! Um so music this episode. And it's not that we said we were going to leave 15 minutes ago. We were supposed to be there 15 minutes ago. <laughs> yes, we were. Oops. Um, so, yeah, music for this episode is uh, a topical arrangement. It's from Final Fantasy X-2, but it's also combined with 13-2. The original songs are therefore Zanakan Ruins and Dash, and it's performed by Evergreen Fandubs. It's a nice, nice little arrangement. Mm. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 16th of August. And you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on iTunes if you just type in Final Fantasy in iTunes. We are the number one show. And of course, if you go to YouTube forward slash FFUnionVids, then you can find out all of our stuff. Lawrence Walk Digest, trailers, podcasts, when we get around to rendering them and putting them up. Yeah. It will be there. I'm getting better at them. Sorry. It will be there. But yeah. Uh, and of course, check out FinalFantasyUnion.com. Um, we've been doing quite a cool, uh, few things around uh, Kingsclave recently. Uh, we've got some cool features that we're hoping to put up in the near future. So um, yeah. Please uh, be sure to check out the site and check out patreon.com forward slash FFKUnion if you would like to support us. Love us. All right, Lauren. Time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. Bye, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.